0: Next time you look at that beautiful, sleek, shiny $100,000 Tesla sitting next to you at the stoplight, imagine large swaths of earth laid bare with massive land-moving equipment puffing clouds of black smoke driven by underpaid, uninsured workers in lowly third-world countries as they move thousands of tons of dirt and rocks in an effort to get the lithium required to make a single Tesla battery. It's something, by the way, that could never be done in the United States because we care about our environment, but that's what's going on when the Tesla is being constructed. The question is, does that sound green to you? Welcome to Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. I'm Brian Sussman. Coming up in this episode... Is Tesla really a green company? And what about those electric batteries that Tesla and other car manufacturers make? Just how recyclable are they? I think you're going to be shocked when you hear. And sustainability, specifically sustainable development. We hear the term bantered about by politicians and climate activists, but what does that really mean? I think you'll be shocked when you find out on this edition of Hidden Headlines. Thanks for joining me, everybody. BrianSussman.com. That's my website. Facebook, Brian Sussman Show. Twitter, Brian underscore Sussman. Let's just dive right into this. This story comes about as the result of, or I should say this episode comes about as a result of a story that was in the news recently involving Tesla and their batteries, and their batteries being not all that recyclable. It's an interesting story. And I think it I think it caught the ears of a lot of people, especially, of course, I'm working in the Silicon Valley, uh, San Francisco area. I have my radio show on KSFO. We have a lot of our listeners driving Teslas. I have no problem with that. Whatever car you want to drive, I'm good. I'm absolutely good with that. No judgment whatsoever. Uh, the Tesla vehicle, by the way, if you've never driven one. It's pretty incredible. Um, I've got, I've, I mean, I, I have a car that some would consider to be a race car. I'm not going to give you the, the manufacturer or the type or anything like that. But it's it's a car made by a car manufacturer that's known for its race cars. I love that car. I, I like fast, quick, agile machines. And the Tesla, it's fast. It's, it's one gear. It only has one gear. So it, it takes off like an old-fashioned slot car just whoosh, gone man throws your head back it's incredible but and again some of you may have the tesla i'm fine with that but if you're having a if you own a tesla because you want to save the planet i think you picked the wrong vehicle you'd probably be more better off with a, a traditional car that burns gasoline because at the end of the day what is the tesla burning well some say it's just electricity Where does the electricity come from? Yes. Well, let's let's dive into this one. Tesla, no doubt about it, is widely viewed as one of the world's most sustainable companies. Oh, I'll get into sustainability in just a moment. It's pretty hilarious. It's from my book, Eco Tyranny. When somebody tells me that Tesla is a sustainable company, I often (laughs) laugh as I just did. (laughs) Then... Excuse myself from the room so I can laugh even louder. But um, Tesla uh, indeed produces electric cars. We all know that. And they tell us in their marketing that they are working for a sustainable energy future. You would think electric cars are generally better for the environment than traditional gas-powered cars. But is that really the case? Certainly that doesn't make Tesla a sustainable company. And certainly, it doesn't make it one of the world's most sustainable companies, as they would make you believe. Sustainability is a term used all over the world. Can I tell you who invented this term? That's a guy named Marie Strong. Marie Strong uh, was a bigwig at the United Nations way back when. I'll get into the specifics. And Marie Strong, no question about it, was a socialist. Some might even say he was a communist. But it was the United Nations-sponsored Brundtland Commission that he headed up that was the first to talk about sustainability. I mean, literally, they just made this term up out of thin air because it's, it's one that's hard to define. I mean, on the outset, it sounds good. Well, sure, I'm for sustainability. Of course I am. But they did so in the context of discussing sustainable development which is development that they say meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of the future and the future generation to meet their own needs. So, again, I'll unpack that a little bit later. But I want to talk about this whole green fascination that people have with, for example, Tesla and the battery-operated cars. Ooh, no fossil fuels. Or the solar panels. Ooh, generating electricity without fossil fossil fuels. Can we just go there for a moment? If you make solar panels using slave labor, is that really sustainable? Because these solar panels are, for the most part, made in China. Just like the Tesla battery, I believe at least most of the components are made over in China. And... I get it. The solar panels may be generating renewable energy, but what about the poor souls? Some of them may as well be considered slave laborers who are working to build these solar panels and these batteries and these wind turbines, etc. Because using child slave labor is exploiting the current generation. I mean, again, when you think about the, the definition, the definition of sustainability, it's sustainability... Development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of the future generation to meet their own needs. So, what about the slave labor involved in making these products in places like China or India or Thailand or Vietnam? What about that? Is that sustainable? I think not. What about these kids? We're denying them educational opportunities, we're denying them life. Also, the corporations. Can make a product for big bucks. And by the way, when these corporations make these products overseas, they're doing so in ways in which we would never tolerate here in the United States. Our Environmental Protection Agency and the various EPAs in the various states would never allow for the pollution that's generated in these other countries as they're making the batteries, as they're making the windmills, as they're making the solar panels. So I'm just going there because no one else seems to want to. It's not politically correct. So let's stick with the facts. Let's talk about electric cars. Uh, they pull electricity from the grid. You plug them in overnight and, uh, or at the, the, the filling stations, so to speak, that are all over California. And you, you plug them in and you're, you're, you're getting the electricity rather cheaply at these public pay spots. You're getting it rather cheaply. I'm not sure who's subsidizing this electricity, but you're getting it on the cheap. Nonetheless, this is energy pulled from the grid, and what is the grid powered by? Oil, gas, and coal. Now, in California, we don't have any more coal-generated electricity. We're getting rid of our hydroelectricity by by and large, we're tearing down dams with hydroelectricity as opposed to building new ones. Um Most of the energy that is pulled from the grid here in California, or most of the energy in the grid in California is natural gas-based. A fraction of it's from solar. Another fraction is from wind. But remember, when the sun's not shining and the wind's not blowing, natural gas is always the backup. So this is natural gas. So again, natural gas, for the most part, a very clean fossil fuel, but it's fossil fuel. So people are charging their batteries for their Teslas with some sort of fossil fuel. So if you're driving your Tesla or any other plug-in vehicle in the United States, again, the vast majority of the energy in this country comes from petroleum, natural gas, or coal. In fact, it's 78% of all the energy in this country comes from fossil fuels. And then there's the waste what kind of waste am I talking about? I'm talking about, for example, e-waste, recyclables. In in a gas-powered vehicle, a traditional gasoline-powered car, 80% of the parts are reusable and recyclable. So in other words, you can take that, you can dismantle the car and reuse 80% of the stuff in a traditional vehicle. Uh, Electric cars incorporate... 1,600 pounds more of e-waste. In the United States, only about 30% of that e-waste, that electronic waste, is actually recycled. And by the way, e-waste is substantially more hazardous than general general waste when not recycled. And I should also mention this, e-waste can't be dumped in the landfill. You could take that car that's no longer in use, and literally, if you wanted to, just dump it in a landfill, and we've got plenty of landfill space available. We do landfills really, really well in this country. But the e-waste, you can't do that. So, for example, Ford Motor Company, they had this goal at all of their facilities to send zero waste to landfills. And they're pretty much doing that. GM is doing the same thing. They can take a used GM vehicle, a used Ford vehicle, and they'll they'll recycle all of it. You can't do that with a Tesla. I'm just saying with these electric vehicles, you can't do it. Now, Tesla's sustainability model is only going to work someday, someday, with the appropriate infrastructure. In other words, you'd need charging stations, you'd need better roads for autonomous vehicles, you'd need uh, renewable energy grids with substantially more capacity than we have today, you'd need battery, battery recycling centers, a whole network of them, And you need expanded capacity for lithium mining, which we'll get into. Lithium mining. You can't build a battery without mining lithium. So what is Tesla? Well, Tesla is just a company. It's a company that makes electric cars. With a very well-known and prolific CEO named Elon Musk. Tesla. So how green is Tesla really? There's a group called Devonshire... Devonshire Research Group's investment firm that specializes in valuing tech companies. They did the work for us, and they concluded that Tesla's environmental benefits are more hyped than warranted. My goodness. Devonshire isn't saying that uh, Tesla is, well, (laughs) Tesla is arguing, they're arguing that Tesla, and by extension, all electric vehicles, create pollution and carbon emissions. Maybe it's not coming out the tailpipe because there is no tailpipe um, as we know it, but they are creating pollution and carbon emissions in other ways because each stage of an electric vehicle's life has an environmental impact. Now, again, it's not as obvious as the tailpipe, but that doesn't make it any less damaging. So let's start with the basics. The electric car doesn't need gas. But it still gets its energy for the most part, as I mentioned, from burning some sort of carbon fuel. Just depends on how your local grid generates electricity. That's, we get that. Now, gasoline doesn't exist in a vacuum either. I mean, there is refining, processing, transporting. Uh, you've got all that with, with gasoline and diesel. I, I, I get that. And it takes a lot of energy to produce a gallon of gasoline. But it also takes a lot of energy to put together that battery for the Tesla vehicle. So let's continue to dive into this research from the Devonshire Research Group. An electric car needs to be light, which means they include a lot of high-performing metals. Lithium, Lithium, for example, is a super light and super conductive metal. That's how you get a lot of energy without adding a lot of weight. And there are other rare metals sprinkled throughout the car, like in the magnets, um, in the headlights, onboard electronics. But those rare metals come from somewhere. They come from deep within the earth. Mines. And mining is never really all that pretty. It's, it's I mean, you, you, if you've ever seen a mine, uh, <laughs> they pretty much take care of what was there. Now, again, Tesla, all electrical vehicles rely on parts with similar environmental issues. They are mined. I had someone come into my radio show as a caller, and uh, this was an engineer who shared some interesting stats, which have been verified. In order to make one battery, one Tesla battery, you would need to mine 300 excuse me 11,000 tons of ore so to get the lithium required for one tesla battery you need to mine 11,000 tons of ore 11,000 tons of ore 11,000 tons of ore will get you 500 pounds of lithium and that's what you need for a tesla battery now, tr- it's hard to wrap your head around eleven thousand pounds. So you see those big trucks sometimes driving on the road full of dirt. You know they're they're coming they're going to a landfill. Uh, those trucks generally haul about three hundred tons per load. So you do the math: eleven thousand tons, three hundred tons per load, and and all that's that's a lot of energy to mine. That lithium, that's a lot of energy to transport the lithium and then fashion it into a battery. So it doesn't sound all that green to me. Those rare metals come from somewhere. Even solar panels, by the way, depend on these rare metals that have to be dug out of the earth and then processed in less than green ways. That's why it's, it's difficult to do this in the United States because our environmental standards are so high. We don't want the pollution, so we allow other countries to do it for us. Now, again, these rare metals exist only in t- tiny quantities. Um, one of the biggest rare earth mines in the world is in China. And when they do this, they're digging holes. They're pouring ammonium sulfate into them to dissolve the sandy clay. They haul out all of this muck and pass it through several acid baths. And what's left is a baked in a kiln. <laughs> pollution, 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 pollution. And then you've got the rare earths required to build the batteries or our phones. And again, it's basically about 99.8% of what is dug out of the ground is is thrown back in. We're only, we're getting such a small percentage, such small bang for our buck, so to speak. But the process is polluting. And there's rock crushing equipment astronomical energy bills, cold-fired furnaces, spewing lots of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere in the process of refining a material destined for your zero-emissions car. Come on, folks. In fact, manufacturing an electric vehicle generates more carbon emissions than building a conventional car, and that is a fact. And most of that is because of the battery. And where am I getting this information from? From an otherwise very liberal organization called the Union of Concerned Scientists. The Union of Concerned Scientists. In fact, one of their scientists writes, we're shifting pollution, and in the process we're hoping that it doesn't have an environmental impact. Hoping. Hoping. That's David Abram, author of the book, The Elements of Power greenhouse gas emissions their footprint is high it's a big footprint on the front end as they're being built after you're done using it it's pretty high as well because now what do you do 10 or 15 years from now when that battery's no good what are you going to do your tesla model three is on its last legs where's the battery going to go guess what battery battery recycling is in its infancy It's in its infancy. Battery battery recyclers are just piloting their technology to to recover as much material as they can from those batteries. And that Tesla battery pack is huge. The challenge with recycling these rare metals is enormous. Tesla can say whatever it wants. Folks, we're not there yet. We're, We're not doing this top notch yet. So according to Tesla, the company already recycles all battery packs returned to it and plans to do more. Well, of course, they're, they're doing their best, but their best, in the estimation of many experts, is not very good at all. Now, as the battery market grows, greater numbers will drive up recycling efficiencies for sure and reduce the impact on the environment. But again, we're talking a timeline. We're not there yet. So the dirty truth about those green batteries. We've got a mining boom. So think about this. The clean tech boom is fueling a mining boom, boom, which is polluting. This, this desire to be green is, on the front end, creating a mess. The high-tech energy infrastructure of tomorrow requires a host of metals and minerals from across the periodic table, across the planet— The lithium ore, the batteries used in EVs, the energy storage required. It's not just lithium, but often other things, cobalt, manganese, nickel. Electric vehicles, they rely on these rare earths. Solar panels too. I mean, they gobble up a significant share of the world's supply of uh, gallium and terrillium. or is it tellurium, tellurium? I mean, these are words you don't use in everyday conversation because they're from the bowels of the earth. For example, we're in 2019 as I record this. By mid-century, even in the most optimistic of scenarios, get ready for this, the battery sector's cobalt appetite, this is another one of those metals, right? Cobalt is projected to exceed known planetary reserves. The lithium demand will have eaten up 86 percent of known reserves. So, in other words, by mid-century, 2050, we're out of cobalt. We're almost out of lithium. Now, to be sure, I, I want to be fair, because the environmentalists have been saying this forever. By such and such a date, our known reserves of gasoline will, or uh, known reserves of uh, of carbon will be exhausted. Our fossil fuels, our known reserves will be exhausted. Known reserves is a little tricky, and I just want to be forthright and honest with this. It refers to the metals, in this particular case, cobalt and lithium, it refers to the metals that are currently economical to mine. So we're always going to have these elements available, but... They're just super hard to get to and super expensive to get to. And we've got to figure out ways to get to those reserves. It's just like our reserves of, of oil. Um, the reserves are there and they're abundant. But in some cases, the drilling process is just so expensive. So that's what's meant by known reserves. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it's going to make everything get more expensive. If we run out by 2050, we got to start getting more of the cobalt and the lithium you're you're going to see the cost of that Tesla or that solar panel or that Apple phone going through the roof even more so than it already is. But here's the other part of the equation. Even with more recycling and more technological breakthroughs, it's really hard to escape the conclusion that a battery and a renewably powered future will mean more mining, especially in the near future. We're going to have environmental and, quite frankly, human consequences. Take, for example, cobalt, which many lithium-ion battery manufacturers add to improve. It improves the product. It improves something called energy density. Anyway, today, 60% of cobalt is, is sourced from Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Now, do you really think those people are being paid a fair wage? I'm thinking there's a lot of slave labor involved. And by the way, do you think they do it in an environmentally sound manner? Are you kidding me? Some of the worst pollution on the planet is occurring in the Congo as we're going for cobalt to make all these wonderful green devices that are scooped up in developed countries, like here in the United States of America, by people in the Silicon Valley who swear they're doing a good thing for planet Earth. I mean, cobalt mining, you can do the research for yourself. I have notorious human rights abuses, child labor, slave labor, if you will, dangerous conditions. Okay, let's look at lithium, which is mined mainly in this lithium triangle It's known between Argentina, Bolivia, and Chile. That's, that's the primary source, the biggest source. But again, um, I'm wondering about things like freshwater contamination, I'm wondering about labor conditions. I'm wondering about overall pollution. I mean, there was a nickel refinery in Australia that closed after it was found to be dumping toxic wastewater into the Great Barrier Reef. Folks everywhere in the renewable energy sector continue to tell us they believe they're helping to save the world. But are they really? Is this, is this what sustainability is all about? I'm turning that in my book Eco-tyranny, How the Left's Green Agenda Will Dismantle America. This is from uh, page 44. And I, I mentioned, I'm talking about sustainability, sustainability. Um, here's how I write. Here's how all of this works in the real world. Environmental concerns are addressed through the lens of sustainable development, with the successful outcome being one that furthers social equity. Oh, really? Furthers social equity. The slave labor, the pollution, the terrible conditions. Again, social, I mean, sh- I should say sustainable development. I write here sustainable development is the business plan for the green agenda, and social equity is the anticipated result. In fact, that's pretty much how Maurice Strong described sustainable development to the Canadian Business Review in a 1990 interview, explaining it's like. Pers- It's like putting our planet, Earth Incorporated, if you will, on a sound business basis, a sound business basis, sustainable development. Now, continuing, here's something else that Marie Strong said. He said, this can only be done through fundamental changes in our economic life and in an international economic relationship, particularly between industrialized and developing countries. Environment must be integrated into every aspect of our economic policy and decision-making, as well as the culture and value systems which motivate economic behavior. So what's this really all about? You know, this sustainability is really, at the end of the day, changing life as we know it in the name of green. It wants to change capitalism in the way we know it. It wants to change the economy in the way we know it. And it all sounds so delightful. But the whole idea of being green and driving a Tesla, being green and putting solar panels on your roof, is this really helping the environment? I I know that enemy number one for the socialists and communists has always been big oil, big fossil fuel. But again, the plans that they have put forward to give us an alternative to big oil and big fossil fuel seem to me, in my opinion, at this point in time, big phonies. And that's Hidden Headlines. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to your feedback. Just go to bryansusman.com and you can pop off and get a hold of me. I do appreciate that. Hidden Headlines, faith, family, freedom. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others. I'm Brian Sussman signing off.